Welcome to The Invested Investor. Today we have Carlos Dinich from Portugal. We're doing this recording over the internet. So Carlos, let's just go right into this. Can you give us a bit about your background? Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Carlos Dinich. I'm, I live in Portugal. I've just started my life as an entrepreneur while I had 23 years old. I've started with a dental clinic franchise here in Portugal. And then after that, I realized that I could do better using or take part of that franchise, doing it by my own. What led you into the dental practices then? Because I know you have a background in economics, exactly. followed by banking. It just happens. And how did it happen? Uh, one of my best friends from high school, his sister was a dentist. And she had this franchise company was a, a, a franchise also of this dental chain company and I was introduced to the, the master franchise of that business and I just realized that it would be a great deal to me to take part of it so it just happened for that reason nothing more than that okay so that's brilliant Carlos and tell the listeners a little bit more about Oimil Dentista I've just started that new business after I left that franchising. I went to study a little bit more, doing some postdoc. And after a while, I've just raised my own business. When things went very, very well at the first phase, I've just opened one clinic. Then after three or four months, I opened the second one. And I realized I'd like a greenfield opportunity to open clinics in shopping centers. So I've just founded the first and the biggest dental chain company in Portugal, opening in shopping centers. After the second opening, I realized I had a great opportunity, but we were in 2010. In 2010, we had all these problems with banks in Portugal. It would be totally impossible to raise some funds through the banks. So I had to go through private investors. So I made a lot of pitches and I was lucky to choose the ones whom I wanted to do this journey of investment. So at the late 2010, I started this process in June. And by November, I have already made a decision of whom I was going to be with in the journey. So I've decided that on November, then the contracts, we were in the Christmas Eve, you know, so it would be a little bit, uh, I don't know what's the, the, the proper expression to... Um, the busyness and the, uh, busyness. the craziness. So it's, uh, crazy, yeah. it's a busy time. So we have just started our joint venture in January. So it was, I think it was pretty fast movements, okay? And at that time, I've raised 1 million euros, okay? Oh, wow. To do this, like, accelerated expansion. So at that point, we have opened clinic after a clinic, and by 2013, we had no debts. We had double-digit EBITDA. We were like a money printing machine at that time. Things were very, very well. Things were, were great. And suddenly, we had the proposal of a new investor to enter in the company. So your first funding round, you raised a million euros in 2010. That was a period of heavy recession in Portugal, wasn't it? Firstly what was that process and then secondly you said that you chose your investors it'd be interesting to hear what reasons you had for choosing your investors well 
the most important thing to choose them is, is the fit I had with them, not the money. I had better financial proposals, but I didn't have the fit with those guys. Okay. I even would have more money at the beginning, not for only for myself. Okay. But for the company. But I always believe on some things like I would prefer A players with a B project rather than A project with B players. Okay. So that's the point, okay? I really and truly believe that people will make all the difference. So I really needed the support of those guys. I didn't want just like money. I wanted smart money. And I think even today, I think I've made the best choice. Okay. So the heavy recession. So obviously you've chosen the right people. Were they still quite apprehensive to give you money in, in the heavy recession? Or? Well, when you have a heavy recession, you have opportunities, okay? So I can tell you stores in shopping centers are cheaper. Wages are cheaper also. We had a lot of unemployment in Portugal, so you have a lot of opportunities, like creating a business on a recession model. We used to say even in funerals, you sell wipes, right? So that's the thing. You have to get opportunities and that's it. Always look to the bottle, half of it to be full, not empty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you've made it into 2013 and you're growing the business. So yeah. do you want to carry on with the story? So, yeah, we were in 2013. Some guys appeared and said, Carlos, here the big bucks to you. Okay, you can get, you will get, you will get big bucks and we'll put a huge amount of money in the company. In return, you will lose your majority and we will keep you in the company with golden, not a golden share, but I would have a golden stake. Okay, even in the company. And they wanted me to continue to be the CEO of the company. Well, this was a non binding offer. Okay, but even at that moment, Thinking about that process, I had two or three years before when I had to decide to be rich or to be king. This moment, I would still be king and I would get rich. So it was a very interesting offer. But I think we had looking backwards now, we had like the God syndrome. And the thing is that I just kept thinking, man, next year we are going to make our biggest expansion in Portugal and we are going to do our internationalization process. We are going to get into Spain, okay? Spain is a market five times the Portuguese markets, okay? And I told them, okay, well, just going there and next year we may talk again. If I have this EBITDA, you are offering me this multiple for this EBITDA, next year I will get much more than that. And that was the moment when I knew where things just uh, start to get wrong, okay? And there was a big inflection point there. We have just contracted a lot of debts. Banks just turned to us and just said, you are such a good company, we want to give you money. Portugal was now leaving from the crisis and banks just approached our company and said, we can give you money. We want to give you money. You are a very good company. So. We accepted it. It was a mistake at the moment. We shouldn't have accepted so much money. And of course, from that point forward, we have made very good things, but 
a lot of things that we shouldn't have done. So that money was to expand the amount of franchises that you had already? This was not the franchise. All the clinics were ours. Okay. Okay, sorry. It's like plus to finance our expansion. We have to build clinics and buy equipment, very expensive equipment. It's medical equipment. And that's it. The money was for that. So how many clinics did you have before the money came in? And then how many did you have by the end? 12. And then when we bankrupted, we had 22. Okay, so you obviously just said you bankrupted, so the listeners know now where this is going. So tell us about that journey from when the money came in to bankruptcy. So what happened over those one to two year period? Well, I'm going to share my opinion. And of course, those are not rules. My opinion is based on my experience. Okay, I believe someone might have had some experiences that make them have different opinions of mine, okay? I'm just reading through my opinion and through my experience what went wrong. First of all, God syndrome. I think this is a huge problem you have to face. It's inevitable. You are an entrepreneur and you are successful. This is almost impossible not to suffer from it. But you have to deal with it. And my advice is that everyone that might be in my position to contract someone to bring him to earth again. So to be surrounded of people that can stop you sometimes. Second thing is that in this process, imagine we had sales of 1 million in the first year, 2 million in the second year, 5 million in the third year, 7 million in the fourth year. We were running through the 11 millions, okay, in the fifth year. And in this amazing growth, your company first line should be people with track records in an accelerated expansion. They should be ready for that. I had very good first lines in the company, very good. But somehow today I realized some of those didn't have the experience of such a growth rate in a company. And that is very important to have people with track record doing this kind of process. So you would have hired people with a better track record of this growth and you believe that they would have helped? I wouldn't say better, okay? No, with the track record, okay? With a track record, yeah. They were good. It was not their fault, okay? It was not their fault. It was, at the end, it's my fault. I've chosen them. But it's the moment of the company. The moment of the company has generated that happened. I would say they were very, they were very good. I'm sure of that, but things just happen. And another thing is that when we've started to have problems contracting people, because we were not finding the perfect people to work with us, and because sales were getting down and uh, I tell you, in 2013, we had in our universe of 12 clinics, we had one or two that were on the red numbers, okay? And the other ones, they would just cover those red numbers. It's normal on a retail company that some stores are not so good. While we were making our expansion, we could not find good people, okay? So we had to split our teams in our clinics to open new clinics. And the thing is that with that difficulty, 
and internally not accomplishing to contract new and good people, we had to go to ad hunters. Our sales were breaking down and we went to ad hunters. And in my opinion, in this specific market, that was a big mistake. We were contracting people with ad hunters that didn't know the sector and we were losing money. We were paying more money to ad hunters to do that for us. And really, we were the ones who knew about the business and the people we wanted. And that generated also a problem in our company. So is that when the flip came and more dentists ended up being in the red and then less in the black? Yeah, exactly. We have done a thing that I believe I have never seen in a dental retail chain company. We have made all SOPs for the company, for all operational, okay? From the receptionist till the doctor. If you want to do a filling, I can assure you that everyone would do it in the same way, precisely in our company, okay? You have a SOP and you have all the materials that should have to do a filling. And to make a payment, we had the SOP, oh, it should be done. I had a personal effort to do it, like with a big, big detail. Operational SOPs, I think we have 200 pages. Medical SOPs, we have 600 pages of medical SOPs. Plus, very detailed SOPs in our company. The thing is that we have done those, and then they stayed closed. They stayed in my table. Because with all this expansion, I've, at the beginning, all the learning was set and I was leading all the learning. I could do it, okay? Because I was opening two, three clinics per year. In one moment that you have to open seven clinics in one year, it's impossible. And you have to prepare people to do things for you. You said about possibly you made some bad hires in terms of the growth. It was outperforming them. What about the investors? So you said that you chose the right investors. Did they give you enough advice and mentoring to help you out? I said I've chosen the investors which I had fit. I think I've not said I've chosen the right investors. Okay? That's another thing. Yeah. Regarding the investors, I really, really had big fit with them. And probably this might be the best lesson ever I've learned with these investors. I really love the guys whom I enter in this business with. We are still friends, okay? They are very capable and very wise, and they really know a lot about the markets. The things that I can share with people looking for investment is that they should find investors also with track records in things they want to do. Imagine, if they want to go to market, they should find investors that have track record in the go-to-market scene. If they want to do internationalization, they should find investors that already had those processes. If they want to recruit a lot of people and they need it, they should find investors with that experience. Track record is everything when you are a startup. Why? Because a little failure can kill you, okay? This doesn't avoid you to failure if you have like an investor like that with these track records. This is not a rule, but I guarantee that it can help a lot to have an investor saying, my friends, 
go there, don't go there, because this happened with our previous three companies. And when we did it with another company where we invested, things really went well. And I think, again, track record, not only for your employees, but also for your investors, might be the most important thing. Yeah. That's something that here at the Invest Investor, we definitely push. That expertise of investors is absolutely yeah. paramount for entrepreneurs. And forget the thing about if you are going to have people on your board and you think you are the one who knows about the business and you just want them to give you money, don't do it. Don't do it. Okay? Don't raise money only just for the money. That's absolutely brilliant lessons for entrepreneurs. Have you got any other tips for entrepreneurs from your journey? I know that we'll go into it in a minute about mentoring and advising, but have you got any top tips that you can give to entrepreneurs? I have one that I would say every euro, pound, dollar spent with a lawyer, it's well spent. Startuppers usually do not care so much about contracts because they are expensive. In my opinion and in my experience, a good lawyer can save you a lot of money and can give you a lot of money. And sometimes people just because we are a startup, we don't have money. I have this friend that is lawyer. Forget the friends, okay? You are settling a business. Forget your friends doing things for you and for free. And especially in these cases. Yeah, spend the money wisely. Mm -hmm. Money spent on lawyers, I think. In my case, it was very, very useful at the beginning and in the end. Another thing is that ah, this is a very important one. We are in a startup. It's very difficult, but always try not to give personal guarantees. Always avoid it. You have an eye probability being a startup. The probability of failing is huge, huge. And Try not to give all your private equity name of the business, okay? That's one of the things that I always avoid. So what do you do now then? Looking backwards now, it's funny. It was not funny two years ago, okay? When you bankrupted and you are like the, the face in the newspapers and on the news, in the television, and your company appears during two weeks every day in the news. But after a while, things just calm down and people start calling you, asking for advice. And then again, and going to the beginning, you have opportunities, okay? So now I get to be advisor in a lot of companies. I mentor at the Nova University, one of the best also in, in Portugal, helping people during their business plans and moving on with their startups. And besides that, I have my small business also, but small things. And I might be preparing something bigger in the near future. I was just about to ask you that question. Do you think you'll um, start another company? Yeah. Is it addictive? Even though you go through the failure, is it still... Oh, this is a very good thing now that I've just remembered. I've started working one month after the bankruptcy. I've started working in probably one of the biggest Portuguese companies. And I was contracted to be the head of a clinical chain company also, okay? And 
I hated to work there. It was the best thing that could happen to me was to enter in the market, you know, the employment market, to understand that I just don't want to live like that again. I might say this, that those might be the worst six months of my life. I don't know. Not of my life. Bankrupt period was very, very bad. But for all the startups and the people that want to have their own business, I just felt claustrophobic there. Things didn't happen. It was everything so slow. The hierarchical process to make the approvals, to open something or to do something. Jesus, was it unbelievable. Just hate that. Okay. It's obviously for some people and not for some people, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And also, if you grow the business, your next business big enough, it might end up being the second largest company in Portugal. So hopefully you'll do things I differently. I don't know. I'm thinking about <laughs> Europe at this moment, okay? Uh, might be the biggest in Europe, okay? <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> That's brilliant. All right, Carlos, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on The Invested Investor. Thank you very much for telling us your story and also talking about your failure. And um, we wish you all best for the future. Thank you very much, Alan. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to another Invested Investor podcast. You can subscribe to all future podcasts via our website, investedinvestor.com, or via a number of podcast platforms online. Remember, you can order our book online. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to get the most up-to-date, interesting, and insightful content from The Invested Investor. Investor.